the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos Anisti. So this is the sixth Sunday of the Holy Resurrection. How quickly time flies. Um, the Holy 50 Days are almost over now. Uh, many readings of the Holy 50 Days lead us to anticipation of two of the seven major feasts of our Lord. One of them we just celebrated last Thursday, which is the Feast of the Ascension. And um, the next one is next Sunday, which is the Feast of the Pentecost. Um, which would conclude the Holy 50 Days and begin the uh, the um, Apostles' Fast, which is also the birthday of the Church. As we know, the Church began, um, the birthday is like next week, right? It began when the Pentecost occurred. So today's Gospel is no different, and it focuses on the anticipation of the Pentecost and the promise of the Holy Spirit and the start of the Church. And um, when we read the, the, the prayers or the readings today, um, we focus on the words of Christ that are full of majesty and courage and uh, instruction for us. It's the time preceding the ascension. Um, in the time preceding the ascension, Christ gave them every assurance and every peace flowing uh, through his divine mouth uh, because it was an anticipation of the crucifixion, the dramatic cru crucifixion. And a, he, his goal was to establish firmly in their hearts um, the assurance of the resurrection. Um, he also, during this 50 days, he opened for them the meaning of Scripture. He brought to their remembrance the things that he did during the, his three-year mission with them. He taught them some elements of church tradition, such as the liturgy and um, other sacraments, and he gave them the priestly authority and gave them the great command, right, the great commission, which is to go out into the whole world and to preach the gospel. He also instilled within them the courage and hope in anticipation of the ascending to heaven, right? He said, a heart that is, um, uh, he, he said, let not your heart be troubled. So a heart that is not troubled is full of courage, full of courage and fearlessness, and it's consistent with the, uh, with the uh, spirit of Christianity. In Romans 8, it says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Father, Abba. And in 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength and my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We're all called to courage. And courage is one of the qualities of being Christian. It's one of the qualities of Christ himself. St. Augustine said that I sat on top of the world the day I felt within me that I feared nothing. I sat on top of the world the day I felt within me that I feared nothing. To have no fear in one's life is one of the most liberating feelings that you can have in your life. It's, it's freedom from any kind of fear is a really pleasant uh, liberty that we can enjoy in our life in Christ. Therefore, the readings leading up to today uh, has words like, Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, it is to your advantage that I go away to the Father and ascend to Him. Peace to you. Your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. I go and prepare a place for you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And many other words like this, right, is to instill that comfort, that peace, that joy, and that courage in the followers that were about to uh, go through the crucifixion. And now He's weaning them off of Himself as he was about to ascend to heaven. And not really off of himself, right? But to wean, because he is always with us, no matter what, but to wean him off of their sensual uh, dependence on seeing him and touching him and being with him, 
and to a much more deeper relationship with God. Since he was visibly present with them these 40 days after the resurrection, he was kind of just transitioning them to a, that deeper feeling, like kind of like how a mother weans uh, their, their baby off of milk to solid food. He, she does that slowly. He was doing the same thing. Much, a much more deeper relationship was pending upon the receipt of the Holy Spirit. Um, but of course, we know there's never a time we don't need him, so he will always be present with us. Rather, he was just transitioning them from the earthly, central to the heavenly, spiritual uh, perceptions that would come when, when the apostles would receive the Holy Spirit. In general, God, this is what Christ did when he came in the flesh. St. Athanasius says, He deals with them as a good teacher with his pupils, coming down to their level and using simple means. Men had turned from the contemplation of God above, and we're looking for him in the opposite direction, down among created things and things of the senses. So that humanity was dependent on our senses. You know, we have to see, we have to hear, we have to touch. And God is always trying to push us to let go of that and to look up into the heavenly, the spiritual, and to, and to seek those spiritual gifts. His miracles and his teachings always focused on that. Though we needed to see the miracles, but we don't want to reside here on earth. We need to uh, put our minds and our hearts up in heaven. Uh, when he was in the flesh, he took our problems that were visible and the things that were the people that were suffering, the things that were in their hands, and he offered things that were incomparably better: uh, integrity, sincerity, love in the face of corruption, and heavy-handedness of the Romans and the Jewish leaders. He was refreshing to those who encountered him. He took ignorance and he gave them wisdom. He took the storms that they encountered and gave them calm. He took the infirmities and gave them healing. He took the despair and gave them hope and every assurance. And he took the carnality and the uh, worldly lusts and gave them spiritual. And he took the hate and gave us love and sacrifice. And in the end, he took death and gave us life. Here, prior to the ascension, he does the same thing. When he promised the Holy Spirit to the disciples, it was as if, and this is St. Augustine kind of contemplating, it was as if God was saying, I myself was your comfort through my bodily presence shown to your senses, which as infants you were able to comprehend. But now, um, something that's much more beneficial for you, because when the Holy Spirit comforts us and, and, and becomes inside of us and becomes sealed inside of us, we no longer have to depend on our senses, but we have that much stronger reassurance of Christ's presence because he's now in our heart. His spirit now is inside of us. Um, that's why we use the words uh, parakleton, right? The word in Greek, paraklete, means comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. In other places, they call him the spirit of truth and the spirit of helping or, or the helper. The Holy Spirit always guides us and, and teaches us and um, renews our life, reprimands us, comforts us, intercedes for us, and works wonders in our midst because he is inside of us. As there was a greater challenge that the apostles were about to face because they were about to go to the whole world now and preach to everyone, they needed that greater consolation. And, and so they received it. And we also have that same consolation in all of our trials and struggles that we face in our life. We don't have to look far for, for God. God is inside of us. So we don't have to look on this mountain or in that place or in that church. God is always inside of us. And we get that when we're baptized um, and we look for him only within ourselves and nowhere else. So that's why in today's reading, Christ says, 
And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, because they haven't received the Spirit yet. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. It's a very amazing promise that he says, anything you ask for in my name, you will receive. It's an amazing promise. And we ought to put that to the test, right? We ought to um, see if our faith does have that. Now, there are some conditions for our prayers and petitions, right? Firstly, he says, in his name. So anything we ask in his name, um, we will receive. All things proceed through him from the Father and the Holy Spirit. So there is no exception. Everything happens by the will of our Lord Jesus Christ. But simply attaching the name of Jesus Christ is not enough. We need to make sure that the things we're praying is consistent with who he is and consistent with the teachings he gave us. For example, we can't ask for things that fulfill our carnal lusts or our desires. We can't ask for evil things. Uh, we can't ask for revenge on that person who backstabbed me last week, right? Lord, please, you know, have revenge on him. It doesn't even seem right, right? We can't pray for that. We can't ask for things, of course, or even expect to receive things from heaven that are contrary to our salvation or to the salvation of other people. Anything else we can ask for, that's why we say all things that are good and profitable do provide for us. What is good and profitable? Is it money? Is it food? Is it the clothes on our back? Or is it the shelter? Those things are good and profitable, but the greatest things and the most profitable things are those that relate to our salvation, of course, that we sh these are the things we should pray for in His name. Another condition that we have to have, of course, is faith. Last Sunday's reading says, You believe in God, believe also in me. And so to the believers, he says, he will give you. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't specifically say, oh, he will give. If you ask anything in my name, he will give. But he's, he was speaking specifically to the believers. He says, he will give you anything you ask. So do we believe that there's a supreme being that created the universe? That's good. But we also have to believe that his wisdom was there from the beginning. God's wisdom was there from the beginning and the wisdom proceeded from God the Father from eternity and proceeds onto eternity. That wisdom is what was incarnate and became flesh, and that's who we have to believe in. Um, this firm faith causes fearless, night, uh, fearless life and also a heart free from trouble, no matter what the circumstances, and it grants us our petitions in heaven. In James 1.5, for example, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach. Again, those who ask in his name. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So it's important then to have faith, of course. The other thing, too, is, and things sometimes uh, is difficult in our prayers, is patience and flexibility. We, when we pray to God, we pray with all the facts that we seem to comprehend and understand. But God, of course, sees things in a much deeper uh, level and free from time and free from uh, other obstacles. So when we have petitions, we, we pretend to know every detail. And we also pretend to know what the problem is in its fullest. And we pretend to know what the solution is in its fullest. And then we ask God for that, right? In the end, though, God knows much deeper than what we knew, right? Uh, our requests oftentimes come with a deadline. Lord, I need it by this date. 
and you set that deadline for God. And if he doesn't, then we kind of get upset or we, we, we're troubled, right? However, Christ our Lord is beyond time and his understanding of any particular situation is beyond searching. I mean, it's, it's deep beyond comprehension. We have to trust that our prayers are heard. All prayers are indeed heard and all prayers are answered for the believers. How they are answered may not be how we expect or you know when we expect it, but they are heard and they are always answered. All prayers are always heard because God hears everything. So St. Paul, for example, prayed and asked God to heal the wound that he had on his side. And, and this is a saint who healed other people and did other miracles, who ascended up into heaven and saw things that were not lawful for him to even utter. He prayed and asked for God to heal him. And and God answered him. Christ answered him. But it wasn't the answer he expected. Christ said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so he allowed him to keep that wound for a little bit longer. <coughs> Many times we, we ask for things <coughs> as younger people in our lives. And we look back and say, wow, I'm so glad that God didn't give us that. But you know what? He heard me because he gave me something even better. And we tend to not link it to the prayer because of maybe the time that lapsed. And we forget that. But when we remember that, hey, you know what? I prayed years ago about this issue. And sure enough, he did answer it. Not in the way I expected, but in a much better way. And in a much, and in a much more suitable time, God in his wisdom has fulfilled my prayer. The last verse of today's reading goes on to say that uh, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He is our champion, right? He, God is our, Christ is our champion who overcomes. He's the ever victorious. He overcomes all things and even in our lives he overcomes as well. So he says these words that we may commit them to memory, right? Two points are, are to be um, contemplated on here. Firstly, there will still be tribulations. Um, Christians will suffer tribulations. That's just a matter of fact that, um, as St. Paul says in Timothy, 2 Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, will suffer persecution. And in 1 Peter, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So all Christians all over the world, throughout time, you know, from the beginning and to the end of ages, they will suffer persecution for the faith that we hold, which is much, very valuable. So in the world, there will be tribulations, but we remember what Pope Shenouda uh, always said. Um, and if you know Arabic, you know, uh, Rabina Magud, he always says that, right? It's probably terrible how I said it, but God is present. He was also famous in saying, God is present, all things are temporary, and everything will work out for the good. Those three things he was always kind of repeating. That any trial or problem we're facing, is it's a fact that it is temporary, and its story is not over. So though we may despair and, and have hopelessness, we know that the story of any tribulation that we're facing is not over yet. There will be victory in the end for those who have faith and endure to the end, without exception. Because he tells us to be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world. But what does his overcoming of the world have to do with our being of good cheer? What is the link there? That he says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
what is what is that why is that good cheer for me yes lord you overcame your god almighty in the flesh you can overcome anything but how is it that i should be of good cheer that you have overcome the world the short answer is that we are his body and as saint augustine says he had not overcome the world where it still overcomes its members he would not be overcoming the world if you indeed are overcome by the world so his victory is being lived out when he says i have overcome the world it's as if he's saying it today i have overcome the world in you and in and in all the believers today so he is continually overcoming the world in us and the believers uh, and his victory is overcoming the world is our victory and he continues to do so as saint paul says but but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the lord so may god grant us to share in those victories and always to have that good and faithful uh, cheer cheerful attitude that um, through the prayer in his holy name everything we ask for will be granted uh, for he promised us this victory in all tribulations and glory be to god forever amen we want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below when it will take you to our donations page you may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website we thank you for any contribution and may our lord jesus christ always bless your heart and home